You're listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, the average pastor, and by the way, I am so privileged to be a pastor. I love it. I hope one day I can do like two other preachers in this city did. I don't want to die in the pulpit like this, but we had two preachers die in the pulpit. I'd like to pass away at a convenient time for my wife if she goes, if I go first, you know, so that we don't interrupt her evening, she can sleep. But I always thought Sunday night after church, you go home and you eat a, I mean, all diets are off on Sunday night. You just eat and you eat everything that's bad for you and then just die. The Last Supper, boy, that'd be something. I love doing what I do. I don't have any desire to quit, to retire, to give it up, to get a little cabin and sit on the side of a cabin with a stream and fish all day long. I, I refuse, and I'm not going to Florida and playing shuffleboard either. I pray that God will let us be raptured together. And most of us that are raptured, yeah, I'll, I'll leave my message for next Sunday morning in my desk, so some of you might want to preach it, but I hope you're all ready. The average pastor in America, I believe, is loved by his sheep in 2023. I think we're loved, and I think, perhaps, I hope, we're respected. Sometimes we don't give you reason to respect us, but I believe that the average pastor has little to no influence on his people. That's a very weighty statement to make. I think a pastor is needed for weddings, for funerals, for children's programs, for special events and dedications. I've dedicated business. I've dedicated almost every park in this city, 15 or more, and the police station and the fire stations and uh, I, I've dedicated all of them in prayer. I think we're needed for things like that, special events and 50th anniversaries and all those things. But when it comes to conviction, philosophy, righteousness, heritage, influencing holiness and dress, and music, and direction. Leave me alone. I don't want to live under a dictator. That's called leadership when someone tries to give you influence. Whether it be a parent, or a pastor, or a teacher, or a deacon, or a Titus II elderly man or elderly woman, we all need influence, and we all receive influence, but we go generally to the source that accommodates our wishes. We design the church we want. And if we like the church, we try to influence and we creep in the church and we try to bring our music and our conviction and our standards and our this and our that. It's a constant battle. And preachers that are listening, you're to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. 
You're going to have to stand. When was the last time you stood for anything? Miss Trevor and I, and I'm so glad to see her first time in eight months up here tonight. That thrilled my heart back in her spot. But I want you to know we've worked too hard over now almost 48 years. We've worked too hard to see God do something here. We don't want to change it. You say to have a bigger crowd. I can't keep up with the crowd we have. And the crowd keeps coming, and we're, we're grateful. And the opportunities and dealing with people, it's just, it's a wonderful. But I don't want to tweak this thing. I don't want to get rid of the choir and bring the praise group up here. I'm not a praise group. We never had, that's not part of our heritage. And that's where I'm going to eventually. A couple of hours from now, I'll be there. I'm just suggesting today that tonight, my one word is influence. And influence is so important. For influence is just simply this. Influence is when a person provides or produces some influence on our behavior, our opinions, our actions, our values, and our direction. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. But I'm ashamed to say in America, I doubt if most dads and mothers have much influence over their kids. If, if a parent said, uh, I'm going to take your device away, you're just playing games all day long, I'm taking it away, it would be World War III in the average home. Perhaps not your home or a Christian home, but the average home would be World War III. If you don't believe that, go to a store at Christmas where little kids are shopped with mother. And they demand and they get what they want. And they scream and holler. Moms ought to have influence. Mothers ought to have influence and, and casting a, a shadow and casting a direction and opinion and an effect on your life that your behavior is different. You ought to know what yes is and no is and you can't have that no. And I'm not talking about just all rules because there needs to be love and there needs to be a parent exhorting, encouraging your son, your daughter. And by the way, in basketball season coming up, you don't do that. You don't, you don't coach your son from the bleachers. First of all, you don't even know the rules. Come on, basketball players, let's get a touchdown. It's not touchdowns in basketball. We show our ignorance sometimes. That was not, Brother Tim, our son who pastors, he has had to coach a ref college ball to help that, get that church started. And he says it's an amazing thing that the fans in the stand know the rules, but they've never read the rule book. <laughs> Young people, you certainly need your parent. Yeah, well, my dad is, my dad is, don't tell me everything your dad's not. If your dad's trying to give you influence and it's godly, good, sound, mature influence, then follow that influence. Amen. Your mother the same. History in our country yesteryear, we wanted influence. And I know we talk back in my day, but that's true. We wanted a teacher's influence. Ball teams wanted a coach's influence. 
We wanted our employer's influence. I recall at the radiator shop when I worked there in high school, and I wasn't very good at it, but at first the guy was patient with then he just swear at me all the time. I never told my parents about that, but you know, I had to take it, I, I had to suck it up and deal with the guy. That's the way he, that's the way he led me. He just got mad, and sometimes I thought, man, he's gonna hit me, but, but we just had to deal with it. But he was teaching me something. I, I, the next, I was working at the same time scooping ice cream. That fella was just the kindest, worked at Lockheed, and he owned this ice cream shop. That guy was so great, he was just so kind to me all the time. And, and then my next, over at the grocery business, where I love the grocery business, working there, that employer was very kind and very direct. They all three were different. But I tell you what, I wanted their influence. They put influence in my life that I needed for my life that is coming out today in my pastorate. And we used to believe our pastors should influence us. But our generation today, I know what I'm doing. I don't need your help. I like the programs you provide. I, I like the camps you provide. I like the youth conferences you provide. I like the ball teams you provide. I like the cheerleading you provide. I like the bus ministry. I like doing those things. I like, a, I can sing in the choir. I like doing that. I, I like doing, uh, playing the instruments. But, but don't, don't leave it there. I can figure out the rest for myself. Now, if there's a wedding in our home, we're going to need you. If there's a funeral, we're going to need you. Do you know that when uh, we do that which is right, Judges 17, 6, in our own eyes, we destroy ourselves and those around us? Have you ever read the rise and fall of the Roman Empire? I forget who I was speaking to with this week. It's not a saved person, but they're telling me, have you ever read that, Pastor, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire? Well, yes, I have. And the five basic principles where they began to reject God and their homes collapsed. And they didn't believe in authority. And there's, there's all five. Have you ever read about uh, the Grecian Empire, how they failed? Every man was doing that which was right in his own life. We ran to the beat of our own drum. And, and yet, so desperately in our lives today, we need influence. And, and the influence is, it's amazing. Here's a, a young couple, and they have a little baby or two little babies. And instead of going to a Titus 2 elderly woman that's been down that road that raised kids, they go to the Internet and ask one of their friends, a 21-year-old that has a 1-year-old, here's how you do it. That 21-year-old, God bless you, as kind as it can be, you don't know, let me use a Greek word, diddly squat. No, you need some ancient woman that's raised a child. Say, well, she raised a boy or a girl or kids, and those kids aren't perfect. Uh, guess what's going to happen to you if you're not careful? You ought to listen and don't, don't say that every, I was going through, I think there's been 15 presidents in my lifetime of the United States. Most of them have been bad, some good. But guess what? I still listen. There's authority there. And I want you to know that tonight, as we see America, we are falling apart because schools, we'll do it our way. Schools, schools in San Francisco are now saying, you're not going to get in trouble if you bring your drugs to school. Well, that's the case of the stupids. There has to be some rules. 
when Mr. Newsom, our illustrious governor, was the mayor of San Francisco, he said, give me 10 years and I'll clean up the streets and there'll not be a homeless problem in San Francisco. How'd you do, Brother Gavin? No, not Brother Gavin, excuse me, Mr. Newsom. You know why? Because you've been influenced by the wrong crowd. Our universities, you think there's going to be any righteousness on those campuses where they teach about Americanism and the flag and patriotism and the Constitution, the Bill of Rights and the heritage of the pilgrims and Columbus discovering America? We're seeing corruption everywhere. And the influence that's corrupting us is destroying our homes and our lives. I want you to turn with the scripture, and I, I'm not where, yet where I'm going as far as what I'm going to deal with tonight, but Acts chapter 20. In Acts 20, verse 27, I would like you to read with me verse 27 through 31 and keep your Bible ready because we'll go to another text. Acts 20, and we'll begin in verse 27 through 31. Ready? Begin. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. See, it's my job to warn because grievous wolves come into the flock to destroy the flock. And the Bible says also of your own selves. In every church we have isms. And I want to present this way and sometimes it's, well, I love this church. I love you, pastor. I love this. But then on the side, they're presenting their own isms. We, we used to have a church directory with everybody's name and phone number and address and all that. But it said in the front of it, this is not for the purpose of create, uh, uh, giving you business clients. This is a church. Don't try to get clients. And our church, our church members have been so good at that for all 48 years. But sometimes we have folks come in here from the outside and, and all of a sudden they're passing their business card, all their business. We, we don't want that around here. This is not a business. This is a house of God. Amen. And God says, you're going to have to be careful. You're going to have to put some, you're going to have to put some roadblocks up because there is going to be people coming in. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy in chapter number 4, please. And they're going to creep into church. They say, where is it going? I'll get there. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says this. Preach the word, verse 2. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, three ways to preach. You discover error, you deal with error, then you encourage people with all long suffering, number four, and doctrine. Look at verse three. For the time will come, it's reached this time, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned into fables. 
Friend, you're not going to make it next year, next year at this time. You won't be in church if you're not careful. You're going to be influenced by someone's going to get you out of church. I'm always watching it. Ask for the flood here. I'll, I'll say, do you see so-and-so? Well, when you start sitting in different spots, I know something's up. When you stop singing, I know something's up. When you stop carrying a Bible, I know something's up. When you start sit, sitting there like, okay, uh, I'm, I, I know all this, and you're, it, no, you're repeating the same old thing. I, I know something's up. You can see it on the face. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize that every single year of our church and every church in America, we had people that used to come to men's prayer meeting, and they stopped. There's always some influence that got them out. You realize there are people in church that always leave, and I'm not talking about for this reason or that ministry or the uh, going to the ministry or whatever, but they just quit on God and leave on God because someone on the internet influenced them. I have to be careful. You must be careful. I find that so many times because I don't know how to do the internet, but I know everything that's going on about the internet because internet because I'm dealing with this pastor about this problem in his church, and all of a sudden they said, "Boy, you hear what's happening on the internet, brother so and so?" And I never say, "Yeah, I know all about it," but what they tell and what they try to tell, it's not even what's happening. I feel like saying, if you get off that stupid internet, because it's not telling you the truth, most of the time it's a lie. Most of the time, I'm not saying you can't use the internet, but you better be careful. You better be careful about the information you're getting because guess what? There's information out now that like independent Baptists, this is a new movement. I'm going there tonight. That's why I'm going. We're not a new movement. We can trace back not only in this century, but we can go to the 1900s, to the 1800s. We can go way back. When, uh, when uh, uh, Methodists and Presbyterians and Congregationalists were independent fundamental. Do you, you realize tonight that there's coming a time, Titus chapter 1, the next book, Titus chapter 1. Holding fast, verse number 9, the faithful word that had been taught that he may be able to sound doctrine, both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Here it is. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumstances whose, uh, circumstances whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not for filthy lucre. Let me throw this in. Just let me throw it in. I've never heard in my life as many preachers having sideline jobs as we do today. I'm not talking because you're planting a new church and trying to get it going and you have to work tent meeting. I'm talking about businesses on the side. That's, that's going to destroy your life. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You're either in the ministry or you in all these other businesses. And I can't believe what I'm going to tell you right now. I cannot believe this. What a dummy I have been. I'm hearing now that we got some of these young preachers. Of course, they know it all. And have had some growth in their church or something. And now they are having a business where you have to, other pastors, I can't believe what I'm going to tell you. Other pastors pay these pastors to counsel them each week or each month or whatever they determine. 
I, I don't know how a pastor in his, I don't know how a godly man could say, I have my business. Now, preachers, I'm going to charge you. Can you imagine Brother Galen Bridgman, me charging a pastor to counsel with him? I don't know where we get this nonsense. This scripture says right here, for filthy lucre's sake, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare of the devil. Whatever your church pays you, remember old brother Jim Jorgensen, Dr. Jorgensen was here, he helped us start our college. He's now at um, Commonwealth, he's a great man. And he said to me, I don't care what you pay me. If you pay me, I forget what he said, $100 a week, then I just have to live on $100 a week. So I'd have to sell my car, and I'd have to walk, and get a, a bicycle or something. And he's been in the ministry 55 years or so now. And he just said, I'll, I, I, I'm, I'm never making money the issue. I came to this church, Mr. Treatment, I had no idea we're gonna, she was going to get $25 a week for full-time work, and I was going to get about $120 for a full-time job. I, I didn't re- our rent was $450 a month, and I know that's cheap. I, I, I'm not coming here because of the dollar amount. I've served as two assistant pastors. I never knew what I was going to make until I got there. Dear preacher friends, I'm all for things that, that how God blesses you, but stop going in business on the sideline. Your church will take care of you. God will take care of you. Amen. You're warring a warfare, and you're going to get sidetracked, and that business is going to capture your heart. Oh, I can't wait to get the emails on this one. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. I, I quoted this verse this morning. We read it verse this morning. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number, uh, verse number 6, uh, the Bible says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God to another gospel. You, you, for the sake of time, I'm still a long ways in introduction, and I, I'm not going to try to be long tonight. Chapter 4, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because there are many false prophets coming into the world. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, there will be many uh, false prophets and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Uh, they make it all sound so, you know, so spiritual and all. Jude, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. That's the historic doctrines of the faith were once delivered to the saints or deposited with the saints. The, 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 the scriptures were not deposited with Golden State Baptist College. It was deposited to the care of God's people. But when you listen to every voice that is anti this church, guess what? You're going to say, well, I'm just friends with them. I don't, you, you, Make no friends with an angry man. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. When someone hates his church, I would think there are sinneth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You can't walk, you can't sit, you can't stand with people that are against where you try to go to church. Think. 
So, well, uh, honey, I want us to be a good couple, good friends with this couple. They hate you, but they love me. Or they love you and they hate me. She might say, well, we'll be good friends. Are they rich? No, she doesn't want to hang around that. I don't understand. I've told you the illustration so many times. My sweet dad, we, our church built two churches in our city because they, the people would leave our church and go to another, and they started two other churches. And, and my dad said, we'll always be kind to these people that leave our church, always. But he said, son, we're not going to birthday parties. If they have a, and my dad never talked against people, but if they have a problem with our pastor and our wife and our church and they don't want this, then we're not going to be disloyal to what God has given to us. You know how I'll lose many of you if somebody else is influencing you? It's all questions. All these young preachers all, and, and backslidden Christians, all questions all the time. Why do you, why, what about liberty? What about grace? What about mercy? What about every man has to figure out for himself? No, that's why you have a shepherd. I see corruption in Noah's day. But there's always something or someone, Galatians chapter three, you're right there, go to chapter three. Oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians. What's the next word? It's Galatians 3.1. Oh, foolish Galatians. What's the next word? Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Would you want me listening to people that don't believe in the verbal inspiration of the Scripture? You want me to... Uh, listen to people and get my leadership from people that don't believe in a choir and don't believe in a songbook and songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. You want me to listen? You want me to listen to that? And say, well, in the uh, other Bibles, this is what it says. I'm not going to read them. I'm not going to study them. I'm not going to listen to them because I already know where this church wants to go. I don't want him to be influenced. You're going to have to watch your influence. You say, Pastor, you're demanding, you're like a cult. I'm not demanding, I'm just saying what we are. If you don't like it, you can, you can go online. There are churches all over this area. You don't have to go to church on Sunday night, Wednesday night. They don't make an issue out of uh, a vision and running buses and all that. You, there's, there's plenty of that out here. That's what you're looking for for your life. Ten years from now, come back, tell me how that works. Look at, you're in Galatians, so here's the who. Who hath bewitched you? How about chapter 5, verse 7? You know this verse. You did run well. You were a soul winner. You were a Bible reader. You sang. You loved the, who did hinder you? There's always a who. He that walked with the wise men, Proverbs 3.20, is shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I, I think I'm, I try to always be kind, and, but, but people ask me all the time, I, I don't have time to beat around the bush. People say, what do you think about this? I'll, I'll tell you, I've done it many times this week. I'm very kind about it. I love you. You're my people. 
What do you think about this? I said, no, no, no. I, I don't have time left in my life to stroke it. Well, maybe you'll like this and maybe. No, I'm just going to tell you. But you don't have to come and ask me. But if you ask me, I'm going to tell you. You say, well, should I marry this girl? I won't tell you that. I don't know if you're supposed to marry her. I'll be long dead and you're going to just be, you know, married 10 years with this gal or something. That's, that's up to you. I mean, you're going to live with her the rest of your life. Well, pastor said I had to marry her. No, I did not. You figure that one out. But if you ask me, if you ask me, should I go to San Jose State University? Well, first of all, if they have a program that, that you're majoring in and some engineering or something that we can't provide, uh, maybe that's the answer. But here's what I, I would tell you all the time. Never move in the dorms. Never move in the dorm. And never get involved with the, the programs on campus. And get that education and get out of there and stay toward the front of the church and stay in the, in the ministry and talk to your pastor every week and come by the door and shake his hand and let's go have coffee about every couple of months and, and things will be okay. I, I, I've, ta I've taught kids out of staying in Golden State Baptist College after a year or two because I, I think Brother Chuck, where you go? Chuck Flood, is he, he's in here somewhere. You know, you're so, all your kids... The floods ought to write a book on raising perfect kids. Three out of the four are great. <laughs> See, God just spoke to me, uh, dealt with me, Luke, because I just untied my shoe as I made fun of you right there. <laughs> but you know, they've raised beautiful, wonderful, perfect, godly kids. Oh, yeah, he's sitting over there with the in-laws tonight. Can't sit with his own parents. He has to sit with his mother-in-law. <laughs> smart man, brother. Very smart. Very wise. They're poor. They're rich. So I'd stay over there. Chuck, Chuck's about as good as they get. This old boy plays that string bass. And I remember, brother Ch I, I ask you both. I ask you, Chuck. I, he felt like after... He had been in our college. He wanted to get a master's and a brilliant kid. And I talked to him. I said, Chuck, and he goes, well, I don't want to disappoint you or my parents. I said, they're okay with it. And so am I. I said, but here's what you've got to do. I am your pastor. I'm your shepherd. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. That's, but I will tell you this. I want to guide you. I want to give you direction. I want to give influence. Not to do it my way, but to do something according to this Bible. It's almost impossible, Pastor, nowadays. I'm getting where I'm going, and I want to try to finish quickly. What's happened in America? We're falling apart in the nation government because the churches. In the 1800s, you are not considered educated unless you sat at the feet are the books of German rationalism. Germans, and I'm a German, my family's from Germany. German rationalism brought these scholars out. And they said, they, they say they're scholars, 
rationalism is reasoning is the chief source of learning. We reason things out. No, we don't reason things out. We base everything on the scripture. But because of that, they introduced German rationalism and Kant and all the German names. They promoted, one, science as an authority in philosophy and politics. We see here a lot of that today. Everything is based on science, COVID science. Secondly, they wanted a tolerance in liberal of views of religion. Thirdly, they believe that we should have sympathy, and I'm just going through their book, I'm telling you what they wrote in the book, sympathy for all religions. So when the big crusades in the 70s and 80s came to town, they said, you're the only church in the valley not coming to these great, great, uh, great meetings and we're having prayer meetings. If I ran into the Catholic priest this week, I'd be gracious, I'd be a gentleman, I'd be kind. But I'm not going to pray with a Catholic priest who has to go through Mary. I refuse to do that. And believe that my prayers have to go through Mary to get to Jesus, to get to God, the Father. I'm not sitting on, I, I told you this morning, I showed you another gospel. I'm not sitting on a platform with the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and the Christian science. I gave you that this morning. Thirdly, uh, they felt like there should be an optimism about social justice. Fourth of five, they believed in scholarship. That's a big thing today. Why well, you fundamental preachers, you're dumb. Thank you. Six, they believed in the humanity of Jesus. No, he is God. We saw that this morning. Six, they believed in a social platform. Seven, their emphasis was on experience, not on doctrine. You never move from experience to doctrine, from experience to faith. You move from uh, 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 from fact to to experience, ye shall know the truth. That's the fact. And the truth shall set you free. That's the experience. The German rationalism says we base our lives on experience. That would, just, just logic, that would mean that a young person can never be spiritual because they have not lived life yet. The Bible calls them simple. That is, they're not experienced, they're not prudent yet, which is matured because of the events of life. Number next, they question biblical authority. They question redemption. They question original sin. Did Adam and Eve really sin? Did God sort of set them up? That's German rationalism. We go through reasoning. And that was brought into America. And all of a sudden, we had nothing but a smorgasbord of religion in America. In 1886 in Massachusetts, these religions, these in America got fed up with this German rationalism and they met Presbyterians, Methodists, Lutherans, Congregationalists, which is D.L. Moody, and, and Baptists. 
And they all said, we are against all these things. They had a fundamentalist conference. And at conference, they said, number one, we believe in the word of God is infallible. It's God's word. I'm talking about Methodists, the old Methodist preachers. Uh, we want to, secondly, we have a responsibility to expose Romanism for what it is. Thirdly, we have an all-consuming interest in the coming of the Lord. We believe, I'm talking about Methodists, Congregational, Presbyterians, we believe in the rapture is imminent. Fourth, they believe that judgment was waiting, awaiting the judgment seat of Christ for Christians. Number six, they agreed together. They recognized the Antichrist could have control of this planet Earth. Number next, they believed that this present day philosophy was delusional and it ruined the position of the New Testament local church. Third, the next, they, they rejected man's opinions on morality. Number next, they believed the great tribulation was coming. And they believed, lastly, they organized together and said, we believe that the church is being invaded by the world. Pastor, that was Methodist, Presbyterians, old Sam Jones, the great preacher, Finney. And if we're not careful, we, we, we believe in today, whatever you want to believe, you can do. I'm not going to allow that. That's not my, my, my job is to shepherd the church. Uh, think with me in the smorgasbord, I'm running quick now. There's atheists. The atheist believes there's no God. The agnostic believes that there may be a God, but they don't think you can prove that. But then there comes modernism. And that's what was creeping in the nation in the 1800s and early 90s, modernism. Where it's, it's just what the word, it's a, a modern gospel. And it's doubt on, on the things that thus saith the Lord. That's where the World Council of Churches comes from. And that turned over to liberalism. And it's basically the same as modernism. They would say a position, that's where we stand, but they would not defend a position. And we're finding that, Brother, Brother, John, Brother John, we're finding that in many of our, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say, liberalism is invaded many of our young preachers. They won't stand for anything. Dear pastors, you're listening. When was the last time you took a stand over anything? You cannot take a stand when it's a social gospel because you cannot offend your crowd. They couldn't take it. I preached very direct this morning. Nobody walked out, but they know what they're coming into. Now, I'm not saying that some don't walk out at times. And from modernism, liberalism, we went to neo-orthodoxy. And neo is a new, neo as means new, orthodoxy, a new standard. And it appears that this is a little bit more fundamental than liberalism, but it's still compromised. And out of that was birthed neo-evangelicalism. And that neo, or a new evangelicalism, was very prominent in the 30s, uh, the 40s, the 50s, and 60s of the 1900s and began to invade. Out of Neil, uh, uh, there's a pastor in Boston uh, uh, who introduced that coin, coined that word, neo-evangelicalism, uh, and, and he went to Pasadena and preached at a brand new college called Fuller Seminary. Charles Fuller had the radio broadcast. We used to listen to it on Sunday afternoon after church from the municipal auditorium in Long Beach, right where now the Queen Mary is, there was a building that sat 3,000 people, and boys were being shipped off overseas. 
and he had the old pastor revival hour. He invited Harold Auchengay to come and preach in 1948 graduation. And he said, I'm coining a new word. It's called new evangelicalism. He said, we want to respect all views of all religions. He introduced, they had some good faculty there. Many faculty left over this. He said, I believe we ought not to fight for our position. I believe that you don't have a Bible authority. I believe in a, a social gospel. I believe in pers uh, 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 being permissive. And I, I don't believe in being permissive. Most people won't agree with me, but I'm still going to stay it. And, 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 and we believe, he said, in ecumenicism. And from that spun off now in recent days, the contemporary movement, and that's long gone because now anything goes. Churches have dropped the word church. You cannot find hardly church now. And they dropped the, the domina denominational, and of course, I'm proud I'm a Baptist. But now everything is the branch, the river, the dog, the, the vine, the cat, the this, the that. And what does it stand for? What is it? It's confusion is what it is. And if we're not careful, we want to introduce this kind of influence. I don't want that influence. People, pastors will say, have you read so-and-so? No, I'm not going to. In America then, because of compromise, we had two Baptist groups. We had the northern group and the southern group. And the northern group basically was divided right down the, the line. They, they loved one another, but they had different directions. And the southern group, a lot of southern Baptists came out of that, but this was back in 1845, and, in, and uh, that's when southern Baptists began. But prior to that was the southern, and they weren't southern Baptists, they were just southern uh, fellowship of Baptist churches. And, and they had the brush arbors down in Georgia especially. and play, they, they had the brush arbors. They had the tent meetings. They had the shout. They had the revivals. But the north were the thinkers. They were educated people. They were high-browed people. That's why when you go to Wisconsin, where I was born, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and you go to the northern states and New England, uh, there's no shout. It's almost as dead as last year's Christmas tree, but it's always been that way. You go to the north in the old days, the way, old way, I grew up this way. Yeah, all the choir members had choir robes. I'm not against that. that. That's what you want to have. They had the choir robes. The south, they'd never have choir robes. And we'd have the doxology, praise God, but the south wouldn't do that. They had shouting, they had amen. And I'm not, that's praise the Lord for all that. But as the Northern Baptist Convention, and I, you, you ought to read about all this, it's just as they began to corrupt and the south began to corrupt, groups spent off of that. Such as in the north, you had the, out of the Northern Baptist Convention, the 1932, the GRB. Grand, uh, a, a General Association of Regular Baptists. I had five uncles that were GRB. Uh, GRB was a great movement, the great, out of Elgin, Illinois, still around, Regular Baptist Press. We used to use their material so much. But, but uh, uh, so regular, General Association. And, and with the, a sister, 1933, the next year, CBA. I grew up CBA, Conservative Baptist Churches of America. And oh, it's great with soul winning and all this. They spun out of the Northern Baptist Convention because of compromise. Uh, GRB, uh, IFCA out of Chicago, Independent uh, 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 Fellowship of Christian uh, Association of Churches, Baptist Churches, 
never got very large. But you know what? All of those organizations have corrupted now too. CBA, and I know JRB people watch right now. God bless you. Thank God for you. But you admit it, most of our churches are not called Baptist anymore. And most don't have choirs anymore. Most don't have Sunday night, CBA, GRB. You can't find one hardly open. IFCA. Because everything corrupts. And in the Southern Baptists, you had, you had the World Baptist Fellowship. John, uh, J. Frank Norris in the late 30s began that. And then spun out of that, 1950, was uh, the BBF, Baptist Bible Fellowship. Baptist Bible Fellowship, uh, when the book came out, 10 fastest growing churches in America, 10 largest Baptist churches in America, eight out of 10 were associated with the BBF. Great soul winning churches, great missionary minded churches, great bus ministry in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you BBF people, God bless you, we still support probably four or five missionaries we've had for over 40 years, BBF. Wait a minute. Almost every one of you BBF guys don't run buses anymore. And missions conference is a thing of the past. I'm not trying to be rude. And contemporary music is in. And rock music is in. And those great churches that were once great churches are now museums for dead saints or they're sold their property off. They stopped doing what brought them there. And we are living in a day of corruption. But I want you to know this, ladies and gentlemen, it all comes back to influence. When you allow people that want to destroy to influence you, you will always be destroyed. Blessed is a man that walketh not. That's as clear as the nose on my face. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate. I know this is not popular. I know now they're trying to point us, well, you're a cult. This is what Methodists used to believe. Presbyterians used to believe this. Congregationals, Billy Sunday, and, and, and D.O. Moody, they used to believe this. Baptist churches used, GRB used to believe this. CBA used to believe this. BBF used to believe this. But now, now today, well, you can't, you know, you're too opinionated. No, I want to just teach our people what the Word of God says. Amen. So under my watch, just to help you decide what you're going to do, I'm not planning on changing this thing. Amen. We're sticking with the King James Bible. Amen. We're sticking with soul winning, not, not outreach. It's soul winning. Amen. We're sticking with Sunday school, not connection groups. We're sticking with the choir, not a praise group. Now, by the way, say, well, you're stirring up trouble. No, you can do what you want. Just let me do what we feel God wants us to do here. Ah, you're so opinionated. No, no, don't, don't shut it off then. Don't listen. I mean, how hard is that? Well, I want to get more ammunition. I'm getting fired up now. So am I. I believe that if we don't do something quick, to salvage the church, this country is gone and your kids are going to reap the benefits. How sad in an area of two million people tonight. I, I ponder this again. I, I might be wrong. I don't think there, I don't know if five churches open, but I doubt if there's five churches open tonight. I'm talking about Lutheran, Presbyterian, Baptist, 
Congregationalists, Protestants, and Baptists. Then we wonder why the Silicon Valley can't even think straight. There's no Bible influence on their life. I close. Let's stand together. As we close tonight, what's the answer? One, as we stand, back to the Bible. Personally and ecclesiastically. What's the, the second? Not only back to the Bible, but back to our heritage. And I'm going to try to get you as much material as I can next year in your hand. Our heritage is old-time religion. Wednesday nights are gone. We, we, prayer meetings need to run in church in our, be conducted in our church. Thirdly, I'm not running to the modern gurus to try to figure out how to do this. I know it sounds prideful because I'm not very smart. But I'm smart enough to know this. I'm not going to look back on almost 50 years of ministry here and say, oh, the light just went on. We've been doing it all wrong. I'd have to tell you, tell you that one, Brother, Brother Flood, that 1.5, 1.6 million bus riders that have come and almost, almost 100,000 have been saved off the buses. I, and that's just down the aisle. That's not at the homes uh, in the streets. I, I'm just saying we're going to have to apologize for that because that was dumb that we did that. It's foolish we did that. It's foolish we've been passing 100,000 Bibles out a year, every year, and seeing people saved. It, Raymond, I'm so sorry I have to apologize that two years ago you got saved. It, it just changed your life, but I'm so sorry it happened because we should not. We just need to have a coffee club so we all hang up our coffee club uh, cups on the wall. And this is, this is a social gospel. I, I'm not going that way. Number, num, num, number four, I want us to study our history. Number five, I want us to realize that we're going to have to stay with preaching and singing as soldiers of Jesus Christ. And if who has influenced you is not going that way, you have a choice to make. Our Father, influence is so important. A, a ball team has to listen to a coach. They have to. They just must. A student must listen to a teacher. A, a son or a daughter must listen to a parent or grandparent. Couples need to listen to one another. And God, as we sit here, I remember the day when our churches were open on Sunday night. And I remember when everything else was closed in this area on Sunday night, Sunday all day. I, I pray our church would realize how important this is tonight that we get influence from good source, someone as strong or stronger than what we've heard here tonight, not less. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.